Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And um, it says, And raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Bring me a little bit softer, my monitors, please. And raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, living in heavenly realms seems to be grasped on a very limited scale. You know, there's a lot more for the Christian. We're living in very challenging times. Whether we, people like to believe it or not, uh, we are living in very challenging times where we are actually seeing the Scriptures come alive. And, you know, it's not just a cliche to say that we're living in heavenly realms, but it's a reality that has to be accessed by revelation. You know, the church in these days is in dire need to interpret the world or their feelings and their emotions, their experiences through the Word of God. The problem is this, is that a lot of Christians do not have a biblical, biblical worldview. They have a worldview dictated to by politicians about what's happening in the world at the moment, dictated to by media. And the reality is this, is that often people don't live their lives, their Christian lives, through a biblical worldview. In other words, you interpret everything through the Bible, not the other way around. A lot of people try, they, they have an experience, and then they try find a scripture to back up their experience. That's deception. It's a very dangerous place to live. And the truth is this, if, if I'm offended, If I don't live a biblical worldview and have a biblical understanding of that, then I will find a scripture to back up my offense. But if I have a biblical worldview, it means that everything I do is through scripture, and when I read scripture, it actually deals with my offense. Amen? Emotions are the same experiences the same, that, that, that we got to deal with things through the Word of God. And often our difficulties and challenges come in life because we don't understand, because we go through challenges, we go through situations, things happen, bad things happen, uh, good things happen, and, and we, we subject our lives according to our experience instead of the Word of God. So if I go through a bad thing or a bad experience or I go through a difficulty, I don't take my experience and then try to find the Word. I live the Word, and as I live the Word, the Word helps me deal with my experience or my emotion or what I'm going through at the time. Are you with me this morning? So a lot of people live their lives through their feelings their, or seven news or nine news or, or their experience or, or a religious mindset, and so they have a certain mindset or a certain belief system, and they interpret everything through that belief system instead of subjecting ourselves to the Word of God and say, what does God say? Who, who does God say I am? What does God say about me? What does God say about this circumstance? Amen. Are you with me? And so, who here has never been offended? Well, I don't think anybody, but I do know that in life when I was a young Christian, that when I got offended by the pastor, I would actually find Scripture to back me up. 
until a mind shift came. And actually, I found out that as I got into the Word of God, God's Word slapped me backwards and forwards until I changed my heart. That's a biblical worldview. It's how we look at politicians. It's how we look at politics. It's how we look at the worldview, uh, the world around us now. A lot of Christians are being caught up in a secular worldview, a secular mindset. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So I'm not looking for the blessing. I am already blessed, but I have to learn how to live it out. Amen. And he says, just verse 4, just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So I've been chosen. You and I are, are seated in heavenly places. If you are a Christian, you are seated in heavenly places. The challenge is we have to learn how to operate from a heavenly place. I may be there in God's eyes, but am I living out the fact that I'm seated in heavenly places? Amen. So let's go to verse 17 of the same chapter. And Paul the Apostle praises for the Ephesians. He says, And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So Paul the Apostle prays. He says, This, what I, this is what I want for you. I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'll tell you why. Because for you to understand who you are in Jesus, you need revelation. You need revelation. You and I need an ongoing revelation. Amen. And he says uh, that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding, not just your natural eyes, but the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that, uh, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So he says, I pray that, that you have this revelation, that your eyes are opened, that you begin to understand the hope of your calling. You are called, brother and sister, not because you are a, a full-time or whatever. It's got nothing to do with that. You are called as a Christian. But you need revelation of that. And he says, that you may know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? That you begin to understand the inheritance you have comes by revelation. We can say I'm seated in heavenly places, but until you ask God for revelation of who you are and begin to view your life through who you are and where you are seated, uh, you don't pray from the bottom up, you pray from the top down, but you need revelation of that. Amen. Amen. Something happening to the media. Thank you, Brad. So he says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so he says, I pray that your eyes begin to grasp what the riches that you have in the saints. And I love this. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So He says, I pray that your eyes open so that you begin to understand the, the, the resurrection power that you and I have. We need revelation of that. 
A lot of people are not living resurrection life. If you look around the world right now, if you look at, at what people, how people react to the world right now around them, they are reacting not from the resurrection power. They are reacting not from a heavenly place. They are reacting not from the hope of their calling. They are reacting from the fact that they are living as a carnal earthly person. That's how a lot of Christians are reacting to what is happening around the world right now. Amen. And he says, he, he seated him in heavenly places, verse 21, far above. How far? Far above. Amen. Now, now, am I seated in heavenly places? Yes or no? And you? Amen. Or well, some of you. Amen. So he says, you are seated in heavenly places, but Jesus was raised from the dead. He says, I pray you have a revelation of this, that Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead, was seated far above. How far? Far. How far? Very far. Amen. Far above. All. How much? All principality and power. Come on, you got to get this. Come on, as a church, listen, as a church, come on, there's no time to fall asleep in these days. We're going to end this year very strong, very deliberate, very powerful in Jesus' name. So I want to tell you right now, it's time for the Christian to get a revelation and say, ask God to give you a revelation. We've got to wake up to righteousness, wake up to what we have in Christ. It's what Paul says to the Corinthians. So he says, far above all uh, principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. What name is challenging you right now on this planet? What name is challenging the church right now on this planet? Well, God tells me that He, he Jesus, is far above all principality and power and every name that is named. You see, that's the calling of the church. Amen. And verse 22, and he who, God, has put all things under his feet, right? And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, for the church. So, so in verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So here's what we have to grasp. Now, you may, you may have heard this a million times, but you're going to hear it a million and one times, that everything is under the feet of Jesus, right? And if we are the body of Christ, then everything is under our feet, Amen. Uh, we are not under the feet of the devil. We are not under the feet of a principality and power. We're not under the feet of those who want to destroy the church. We are not under the feet of any demon uh, uh, whatsoever. We are under, they are under our feet. Amen. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. And let's, let's get this right, Christian. A lot of Christians don't understand this. The reason why many Christians live a powerless life, because they don't have a revelation of the body. If you don't have a revelation of the body, your life will be powerless. A lot of Christians live an individual life. No, it's not an individual life. It's the life of the body. Amen. That's why there are Christians around the world who will give their lives so they can connect with other Christians like China, like they, were, they are willing to lay down their lives. But yes, the problem, the current generation in the Western world doesn't understand the power of the body of Christ because everything is under the feet of the church, not under my feet 
feet and not under your feet. It's under the feet of the church. Amen. And we need a revelation of that. When we get a revelation of that, then we understand that when the church prays, something happens. Amen. When the church gets together, something happens. When the church praises, something happens. Amen. That's why the devil will fight you every which way to keep you away from God's people. Uh, amen. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. Amen. Maybe we should take Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Forsake not the gathering of the saints and make that. We, we're gonna, I'm going to ask, I'm going to send it to the premier's office and ask him if he can make that the latest health advice. Because people don't have a revelation of the body. We need a revelation of the body so we can function in the authority and the dimensions that God wants us to function in. Amen. And I'll tell you what, we will overcome the church in the Western world, will overcome everything. Everything in hell has been thrown at the Western church. But I want to tell you right now, we will not back down. Why? Because we understand the revelation of the body of Christ. And I'll just put it out there. If you don't get the revelation of the church, I will tell you, brother and sister, it's going to be difficult for you to stand in these last days. Many people are falling, by the way, all over the world because they don't get it. And it only comes by revelation, comes by relationship with God. Amen. Somebody say amen. I'll preach it. Hallelujah. And he says, uh, uh, everything is under the feet of the church. So we've got to know the role. Amen. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah is an amazing thing. In the book of Leviticus, um, Every seven years, you had to rest the land, work the, work the land six years, and the seventh year, rest the land. Now, I'm going to a place with this. So you can see right throughout history, history will tell you that, 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 that when Israel did that, they, they worked six years, and the seventh year, they rested the land, and, and they had enough abundance from the six years to take them through the seventh year. It's the way God works. Because when you rest the land the seventh year, it is extremely fertile to produce abundance for the next six years. Scientifically, it's even a fact. And, and it just so happens we, we are... Now, I don't, I don't celebrate, well, to a point we do, but I'm not a Jew. I'm a spiritual Jew. But it's Rosh Hashanah now, which is the Jewish New Year. And it just so happens that we are going into the seventh year, the year of rest. That's where I'm going this morning, the year of rest. Amen. See, yes, yes, the amazing thing. It's first the natural, then the spiritual. So the natural is a picture of the spiritual, is what Corinthians tells us. So we, we understand these feasts. We, we celebrate Passover, which is one of the feasts, right? We celebrate Pentecost, which is, which is one of the feasts, which is a picture of, in the natural of what God does in the spiritual. 
Amen. We celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Whilst we may not do what Jews do, but we understand the significance of it, it's a time of harvest. And I will tell you what, God works according to His calendar, not yours. Not mine either. His calendar. So history will always tell us there are certain things that happen time and time again because God has said it like that. God said that in Genesis chapter 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, uh, a cold and night, day, day and night, a cold and heat, day and night, uh, 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 sowing and reaping will not pass away. It's just the way it is. God set it in motion. There are certain things God set in motion that we can stand on our heads and do whatever we like. Uh, 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 it's not going to change it. Sowing and reaping is a law that God set in action. Amen. And so it goes, it, so it, it's like this, is that what, what happens in the six years of how we sow and how we work actually produces enough breakthrough for the seventh year. Amen. Now, now the seventh year didn't mean that they all went on holiday and did nothing because, you know, there's still stuff to do. But there's a place of rest, and I'm going to teach you from Scripture now. Amen. We'll have enough time. You know, if you look at the year 2015, six years ago, something radically shifted in the world where the White House celebrated the change of marriage. You all remember that? Hmm? The definition of marriage. Then it came to Australia. It's like something was released in that six years ago. Something was sown in the nations. And there's a time now coming, the seventh year, that all of that has been sown in the nations. There's harvest coming from that. I'm giving you a prophetic word. You'll see it. Much of the lies and the deception and the perversity that has been released in the world to destroy families, to destroy children, to destroy lives is going to come. And a great harvest of that is going to be seen. There's a radical shift that took place six years ago, but it's the seventh year. The last six years, the enemy has been relentless in the world. You can go back. You can look. I'm a student of, of, of history. I love looking at things. It's like everything changed in the world. Everything. Right? But I believe now at the same time, while we see that harvest taking place, that there's going to be a great harvest for the church, great release for the church. Amen. As we enter that seventh year, we're going to see incredible things happen in this next year. Unexpected blessings, favor, 
double doors, increase, businesses open, things that you never thought possible. Because God says in that seventh year, it's a year of rest. And what it really is, is a year of faith. So while it will happen in the world, the contrary will happen to his church. Why? Because Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 10 says that they will begin to see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they will see that God is with you. That's what God promises. Amen. When we obey him. So there's a harvest that is going to be reaped by the ideology and the evil that has been sown in the world. There'll be a collapse of many of the political ideologies and corruptions that's so evident in these days. But there's a harvest coming for the people of God. That's why we've got to stay in the Word. That's why we've got to stay accountable. That's why we've got to stay faithful. That's why we've got to stay committed. That's why we've got to stay generous. You will pick up a harvest that others didn't want. I'm telling you right now that others didn't want their harvest. God says, I'm going to give you that harvest. I'm telling you right now, you're going to see a harvest come. God's going to give you things. God's going to give you breakthrough. God's going to give you increase that you never thought possible. Why? Because we are coming into a time where the abundance of God will begin to be seen. Some of you have worked hard. You've worked hard. You've worked hard. I mean, I've been in this nation six years, and I want to tell you, it's been hard work, but I know, I know in my spirit, I see this abundance. As I said last week, I see this increase. I see it. Amen. And it's harvest time for the people of God. And it's all down to one thing, faith, faith faith, entering the rest of God. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Let's look at this quickly. Hebrews 3 verse 7. It says, therefore, now this is New Testament. Amen. So, so we got to get this understanding right. New Testament. Amen. Because a lot of the teaching that goes on nowadays ignores, blatantly ignores most of the Bible. Amen. We've got to stop ignoring the Bible. Amen. So he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion today. If you hear his voice, if you're hearing God today, don't harden your heart. It's amazing how people harden their hearts just like that. Because we take an experience, we look for a scripture to back our offense or hardness instead of going through the word and say, God, what do you say? So he says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Who's he talking to? Christians. Amen. Who's he talking to? Christians. The church. Amen. In the day of trial in the wilderness. You see, the wilderness will set you up for abundance. The wilderness will set you up for the promised land. Amen. The wilderness will set you up to take the promises of God. And he says, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my work for 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. What does God look at the heart? They go astray in their hearts. And God says in the Scriptures, yeah, he says, listen to this. He's taking the picture of what happened then and he's saying, be careful that this doesn't happen to you. When you hear God, your heart and your heart, you say, well, I've heard that before. Well, I'm telling you right now, you may have heard things before, but there's always the, 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 the rest of God, the Sabbath of God. There's always that cycle that God brings in the earth, whether we like to believe it or not. God will always bring a cycle of blessing, of favor, of increase, of, of anointing, of grace that you've never experienced in your heart. And he says, therefore, and he says, uh, 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 verse 11, 
He says, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You see, here's the plumb line. So God says, look, He warns us. He says, look, there's a rest, but I'm warning you. You can miss it. Amen. So let's look at this. So here's the plumb line. How do you know you are resting and entering the rest of God? And let me show you what God was referring to. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 to verse 32. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Hallelujah. But he says, but, 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 the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Oh, whippy-doo, the world is always going to be stronger than you without God. The challenge before you is always going to be stronger than you without God. They're always going to be more than you. They're always going to have more money than you without God. Amen. And he says, and they gave, what did they do? They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So here's the two things. How do you know that you are entering the rest of God and you are moving from the, the time of work six years to the seventh year, I'll tell you what's very simple. Either you are saying we be well able or you are saying we are not able. Amen. (laughs) So what are you declaring? Negative about the church, negative about God, negative about Christians, negative about the future. What are you declaring? I tell you right now, we be well able. Hallelujah. God is with us. That's what we're declaring. Those we be not able, well, there's a harvest coming for the world. God says, be careful of that. That we be well-able Christians. We are a we be well-able church here. Amen. We can find excuses for everything. We can find 10 reasons why we can't do something. Or we can find one reason why we can do something because God said we can. We be well able. Amen. Leadership, listen, leaders, it's exactly the same. We can find 10 reasons why we cannot or we can find, find one reason why we can. Why? Because God said so. And if God said it, that settles it. I believe it. I can do what God has called me to do. Somebody say amen, amen. Come on. And in this church, we are a we, are a, we be well able church. Amen. That's why when an, when an opportunity arises to minister to indigenous communities not far from here, 20 minutes from here, the people have no idea what's going on. They say, we be well able. We be well able. Amen. Amen. So we are a we be well able church. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. Amen. God doesn't want to hear what I cannot do. He already knows. But without Him, I can do nothing. Without him, I have a problem with everything. 
Amen. Without him, I'm just focused on myself. But when, when I'm a we, we be well able, let's go do this. Amen. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, we be well able, we can do this. And God says God makes reference to that in Hebrews. So let's continue. So this is how we know. We will ensure that we will walk in his rest. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Back to Hebrews 3. It says in verse 12, uh, Beware, brethren. Say brethren <laughs> and sistren. Amen. What's wrong with the Bible? Doesn't it talk about sisters here? It's always the brothers. Amen. The brothers are always in trouble. Amen. Beware, brethren, lest and sistren. Okay. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of, oh, you can't write this to Christians. <laughs> you can't write this to the church today. This is the 21st century. There's a bigger revelation than that. It's an evil heart. The Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. You know what it is? We be not able. That's what God says. That's what God says. You tell me you can't do it? So am I Lord or not? Amen. And I know sometimes I say to God, I don't think, and then God says, zip your lip. I just know the Holy Spirit says, keep quiet. And he says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That evil heart is that we be not able. Mindset. But verse 13 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. What must we do? Exhort one another daily. Say, we can do this. We can do this. I'm telling you, you can do this. We can do this. We can do whatever God has called us to do. We can win a city. We can plant more churches. We can make a difference. We can see salvation of hundreds of thousands of people. We can do this. We can make a change. We will see revival come in Australia. We will see it. We can do this. Amen. God did not say, look at the giants. God just said, what can you do? And they said, we can do it. There's a lot of problems out there. There are a lot of giants that we are facing at this stage, but the truth is this, what are we going to say? We be not able or we be able. Why? Because we don't have evil hearts of unbelief. We've not departed from God. Amen. When we say we be not able, it means we've departed from God. I know it's, it's a challenge to our faith, but he says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, the sin that he's talking about here, it's not, we think it's this, the gross sin out there, and, and it's, you know, no, no, no. You know, we, we, we great sin. God's sin issue is unbelief. Because from unbelief proceed many other things. Amen. You know, that's why he says, exhort one another daily. Because there's a sickness that has gone around the world since in the last two years called cancel culture. Uh, unfortunately, it's in the church as well. Not here. Because as a leader, we'll not allow it. People may get mad with me. I don't care. We're not here to cancel each other out. Amen. Amen. People cancel each other out. You know, I, I remember as a young pastor in, in South Africa that... Uh, there was a, a, a great man of God. He had a great church, and uh, he was looking after a whole lot of churches. I remember him often saying we would go to these meetings, Pastor Art, myself, a couple of Christians, uh, uh, ministers at the time, young men in our 20s, and we would often hear him say, stand up and say, uh, I'm going next week to bury a pastor, meaning that pastor messed up. I'm going to take him out. And it almost became something that he gloated about, cancel culture. 
I will never cancel anyone, any leader, because there's hope for everyone. Well, what happens if a leader falls? You pick him up. You restore him. Where on earth do we get this cancel culture? A Christian falls, what do you do? You pick them up. You forgive them. You restore them. Amen. We don't sit and judge them. It's evil. Amen. People make mistakes. We pick them up. Amen. We exhort them to continue. Don't let sin, the deceitfulness of sin, harden your heart. Don't. So here's the point. This, this guy was like that. And, then, and, then, and he, had, he had a great church, huge church. Um, one day he uh, ran away with his youth pastor, which was a woman. Okay. Just let me clarify that. You know, we were, t- we were unable to restore that man. He used to run from people he knew. He'd see people in the shopping center, he would run. You know why? Because he had lived the cancel culture for so long that he could never find redemption for himself. This is what cancel culture will do to this society. This is what cancel culture will do for any Christian. Because one day, that sin that you're pointing at, that person that you're pointing at all the time is going to come for you. And if you don't stand, because you've judged others so harshly, I'm not saying anybody here, but people need to hear this, that many will not be able to find redemption because they think that God is unable to forgive them because they've lived that their whole life. That's why the Bible says you restore, you bless, you exhort one another, you stand with each other. Amen. You know, I just spoke to a beautiful couple yesterday. And uh, the young lady said to me, she said, my dad said to me, if I ever get the vaccine, I mustn't talk to him again. You hear that everywhere, for and against. This is not Christianity. I've already said, been very firm that people may not like it. That's not my issue. We don't cancel people out. I have my belief, and I can stand strong on my belief, but we never cancel people out. Don't dare come into the house of God if you haven't had a jab. Or if you had one, don't dare associate with me. Where do, we, where do people come from? What is this? It's not the Bible. It's not the biblical worldview. Because what are we saying? That if a person hasn't had a jab one day, they can't, can't be saved. Or if a person has had a jab, they can't be saved. What do we say? What are people saying? What is this about? All I know is Jesus is different. 
You see, but it doesn't start there. It starts with little things like judging leaders, judging pastors, judging they said this and that. Amen. There's so much nonsense going around for and against. Stop, re, stop watching the stuff. Amen. Now, I do look at things. But there's a fear on both sides. Fear is destroying the world at this stage. And the only people who have the answer is the church. Amen. Fear and ignorance on both spectrums, both sides. We've replaced fear. We call it wisdom. Hmm? <laughs> really. We replaced judgment and called it protection. Amen. So how do we break that mindset of judging people so harshly that we don't find a way of redemption for ourselves? As we exhort one another daily, 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 building to people, bless people, bless people. Listen to me. As, as an older generation, I'm, I'm on a challenge, the older generation, it's time to step up on another level. We have a job to do. We have a job to do. If you're 40 and older, sorry, Shaw, you're in the older generation. If you, if you, maybe 35, let's go 35 and older. We have a job to do. Amen. There's a generation we cannot just leave behind. There's a job to do. There's a job to do from those who are 28 to 35 to step into that role of leadership. There's a job to do. Amen. We, we got to get out of that mindset that says we be not able. I don't have time. I don't have this. I, what, we have got to get out of that. Amen. We are fighting for the destiny of a nation. We're fighting for the destiny of our children, our grandchildren. We're fighting for the destiny of people. Somebody say amen. Amen. So, so we become partakers of Christ, verse 14. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Uh, and he says, while it is said today, verse 15, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Who is he writing? He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians saying they could not enter into the rest of God because of unbelief. Let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fearless interview seems to have come short of it, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Listen, the word they heard did not profit them. Amen. You can hear sermons every single day of your life, but until something shifts in your heart, and he says, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, you've got to take the word of God and say, I be well able to do what God has called me to do. They didn't do that. It didn't profit them. Amen. So we Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not be mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we who have believed do enter a rest. Amen. We who have believed do enter a rest. Amen. And he says, uh, uh, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. 
And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. For if, verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. There's a rest for you. There's a rest for the church. Amen. And the word rest here is Sabbath. So God's saying there remains a Sabbath for the people of God, a rest. Now, it's not the Sabbath that the Jews celebrated, but that's a type and a picture of what we are to live in. And he says, verse 10, For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. Therefore, so he says, there's a, there's a rest. We, verse 11 says, Let us left, therefore be diligent. What must we do? Be diligent. The word actually means work. We must labor. It's a strange thing. We've got to labor. We've got to be diligent to enter the rest. Amen. Come on. So he says, To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So he says we gotta, we got to be diligent, make sure, do everything we can to make sure we don't fall according to the same example of disobedience that we can enter the rest of God. And it's all about unbelief. He says, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrows, and is a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. God's Word is what reveals everything. Amen. And he says in verse 16, we can drop to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mark 2, verse 22, two more scriptures, then I'm done. Here's what I want to say. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus said he is the Sabbath. Sabbath is not a day. It's a person. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. Amen. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. So listen, we are going to go into a time of great blessing, but I want to tell you, we are not going to do it without Jesus because Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to verse 30, he tells us, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to tell you right now that when we start to believe Jesus, when we recognize that our rest is Jesus, when we recognize that our Sabbath is Jesus, it's not another holiday. When we recognize our Sabbath is the Lord Jesus, it's not a motorbike. When we recognize our rest is Jesus, it's not another house, it's not anything else, but it's Jesus Himself. Amen. When we begin to connect to Jesus, everything shifts and everything changes. So we want to learn how to operate in heavenly places. There's only one way. It's to enter the rest of God. Any person that walks around saying, we be not able, I be not able, I cannot. It's not the language of God. God says, I'm with you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not hard to serve God. 
It's not hard to be with God's people. It's not hard to worship. It's not hard to praise. It's not hard. If it is hard, then something has to be broken of a person's life. Perhaps, perhaps a, a sin is hardened. Maybe unbelief is hardened. People's hearts and minds, that that has to be broken. Perhaps bitterness has entered into a person's life that is preventing that rest from becoming a reality in a person. You see, Sabbath is not a day, but it's a person. Rest is not a day, but it's a person. And I choose to go in this next year as a Sabbath year with Jesus, saying, as I take His yoke upon me, as I take His burdens upon me, to say, let us go up at once, for we be well able let us go up at once for we can do this. Let us do what God has called us to do because all things are possible to him who believes. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Oh, I want to tell you right now, I, I, I've taught you a little bit. I've, 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 there's a lot of Scripture I've given you, but the truth is the church needs Scripture. We need Scripture. We need to get back to Scripture. We need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to what God is saying to His church. Amen. There's a rest for the people of God. There's a breakthrough for the people of God. There's an increase for the people of God. There's favor for the people of God. Oh, I tell you what, there's great anointing for the people of God. There's, there's a great harvest coming for the people of God. But it's going to take God's people that say, we be well able. We be well able and put off that unable off your mind and your heart. Put off that unbelief off your mind and heart because you cannot enter that rest without Jesus. You cannot take that yoke without removing that yoke of unbelief. You cannot take the rest of God. You cannot enter the Sabbath of God without taking that unbelief of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.